welcome to the Good Friends and a Glass of Wine podcast. In this show, we take a light-hearted approach to learning about wine amongst friends. Hope you can join us for a glass or two. I am so thrilled to be kicking off the first episode of the Good Friends and a Glass of Wine podcast. My intention is to take my curiosity and to turn that into lots of light-hearted learning, which I hope to share with you. Tonight, we're tasting Cabernet Sauvignon, or Cab Sav for short. So if you'd like to try this type of wine and get a sense of the information and the tasting experience that we're discussing, look for French and or South American Cab Savs. If you'd like to try the exact wine type, the wines are listed in the show description text. The show notes have a full list of the wines and the regions we'll be discussing in the coming episodes, in case you want to get prepared with sourcing your wines. You'll also find referenced or useful links there too. Feel free to share your thoughts about the show and the wines through Twitter or Instagram. And of course, please do subscribe if you enjoy it. I'm thrilled to have you here with us. I really am. It's your wine community as much as it's mine. So I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, let's introduce our good friend for this episode, Stephen. Stephen, it's great to have you. We've known each other for quite a long time now. We met during our college years and we were even housemates on a couple of occasions. And That's right, I, more than one. More than one occasions. And you haven't shook me off yet. <laughs> <laughs> as much as you've tried and moved and, you know. <laughs> be a bit awkward if I moved in now. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. But, you know, I, I, I know that you like a pint. Uh, I think you might like the occasional bit of a spirit, a whiskey or a something, whiskey, but yes. I don't really know about your relationship with wine. So how, yeah, how do you get on with it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, thanks for, for, for that intro, Sarah. You've put no pressure on me <laughs> whatsoever with how professional that intro was. <laughs> um. uh, no pressure. Uh, yeah, like I... I was I would describe my relationship as stereotypical millennial Irish relationship with red wine. It's mm-hmm. um, but with a with a slight caveat. So the, the the slight caveat is my mother actually spent her early twenties in France. Nice. Um, so she brought back a lot of those what were considered at the time notions. <laughs> <laughs> They're still notions. They're still notions. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're just I, passable we had, now. <laughs> uh, we we had the, the Cambert cheese. Oh, the Cambert. <laughs> the Cambert cheese. And uh, oh, I love it. there was one episode where the brother threw out some cheese because he thought it was gone off, but it was actually just blue cheese. Oh, oh that's my favorite. <laughs> Sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and and she she was quite fond of of uh, red wine. Um, Brilliant. So yeah, I I think I I was quite familiar with with some amount of, of French culture, and of course, you know, food and wine is is so important to it. So mm. that's kind of where the early early onset of of winery came into the into my life. and then after that it was. Joe, the the bottle at the table of weddings. Yeah. And uh, how yeah. many bottles can you? Yes. Yeah. How many free glasses of wine can I get <laughs> with yeah, my meal? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you see, so you, you like you you have a relationship with wine. You've it's been around you when you were growing up. Your mum has, yeah. you know, your mum has an understanding and an appreciation for it. It wouldn't be something maybe you'd order when you went out to a pub, say. You'd probably get a pint. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. wine is very, uh, like for, for my upbringing, wine is a very feminine drink as well. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people in the family 
Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my aunts would like wine and, and stuff like that. And, Interesting, yeah. And spritzers and stuff like that. I suppose so it, it would is, be maybe in Ireland, it would be yeah. a, a less common thing for... Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think like I think what it is, is like if you go for a dinner with your partner, then you're going to be ordering mm. a bottle of wine. But it's not something you necessarily go into a bar and order unless you were on yeah. holidays somewhere. I think anyway, that's that's the way I would see men having a relationship with wine. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. yeah. would you see that? That's what I'm saying. Of just like mm. uh, even at mm-hmm. weddings, it's mm-hmm. like it, the the lads would ignore the wine and have the pints or mm-hmm. they're sculling the wine to yeah. supplement the pints, not sure. realizing yeah. that it's like 15 or 16 percent or something. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah, I didn't think yeah. of that. Maybe there's not as much of an appreciation of it by um Irish not well that's you can't speak for everybody but like yes no, you yeah. would see that I, a bit more I think mm-hmm. Ireland is a, is a very um spirit orientated in yeah. in our culture and stuff like that so I think wine has very much come into a big way over the last you know brief mm-hmm. memory I would I would have said I got a, a precursor of it all right when um mm-hmm. when mom came back with with her notions from France but, <laughs> um yeah but it's you're yeah. You, yeah you're interested in it you you wouldn't mind learning a bit more and that's really well, what this is all about so yeah and I think that's yeah. part of it as well of mm. my brother's-in-laws mm. um they're French so it's it's uh, another aspect there excellent. Of, yeah it's it's nice to to see what wine actually means to other yeah, cultures yeah yes yes i see that and i could see how it's quite different in in other places so yeah no i i do love wine then i'm i'm not by no means an expert at all and that was a big kind of impetus for doing this show was i basically said right i'm going to try and learn a little bit more about it i love it i have an appreciation for certain types of wine and I've been really lucky. I've been to a couple of countries that have beautiful wine regions. So I've been to Australia and New Zealand, and I've been to a few different wineries in both places, which is amazing. I've also actually been to a vineyard in the UK, and I didn't realize until I went to that one that they had, they do actually produce some wine in the UK, which That's I did not realize. Fast, so it? <laughs> no, it was actually close to there, but um, no, it was down in the South really gorgeous wines I have to say I yeah I wanted to learn more about wine and that's as I said that's where the podcast idea grew out of so it's really nice to be able to share that with people um do you have any kind of type of wine that you like like would you have liked Cabernet Sauvignon if you've had that before have you even been aware of that or my yeah my my wine knowledge is I stick to French because Mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things where if you're not a avid wine drinker mm-hmm. the french wines are probably the the most mellow i find sure, yeah, or at the very least yeah yeah are, are, yeah palatable mm-hmm. is probably a, a mm-hmm. better word whereas i've definitely bought different wines i'm, yeah. I'm thinking of chilean now or, yeah. or chilean and uh, I, can't, I remember there was one other one where the person who got the bottle was like this is mm. tart um mm. And and I think that's that's where it's like right. If I stick with French and and usually with French, mm. I'll stick with um, uh, either Bordeaux or Burgundy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll I'll often go that way. Now the the other piece there is like you know part of my relationship with wine is wine to me is just a a medium of food delivery. Like it's a mm-hmm. it's a supplement. Yeah. Um, and and it's an additive for it. So like, I usually yeah. go with the reds yeah. and I usually go with those two regions because they're yeah. Yeah. one of the better ones for cooking. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Not that they were cooking wines, but I, if I'm making something, they usually compliment whatever. I'm yes, making. yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really like having wine with dinner. Like that's such a nice. It's such a nice thing to be able to do. If you can go out for a meal or make a lovely meal and have, especially red wine. Like I have a love of red wine. And that was the one that I actually would have come to early on when I started drinking wine when I was maybe sort of 18 or whatever, which I I think is quite unusual. I think generally people, at least here, yeah. tend to start with the white wine. It's a bit easier to drink. Whereas I had red wine. I went to Italy around that time. Um, I had an Italian Montepulciano wine it was fabulous and I've gone back to that over the years I've probably said that completely wrong I apologize to my I have a couple of Italian friends <laughs> um, but it was it, it just was gorgeous and I used to have the red wines Cabernet Sauvignon has always been a really good solid one for me I have to say and that was actually a big reason for picking that as our first one because I think it's a really solid red wine you know mm. it's as you said like it's lovely if you're cooking with it or having it with a dinner and I just think that's for me that's always been the nicest yeah. way to actually have wine is if you're not necessarily having a dinner just having some kind of food with it mm. um and I know from doing a bit of reading around wines and so on in preparation for this the the old world wines so like your french wines and so on they are meant to really be like an accompaniment for your meal and so on whereas the new yes. world wines the australians and so on they are meant to be more um, you know, they're drinkable without a meal. They're kind of like, they can kind of stand alone, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is really interesting. And that's why mm. I quite like the juxtaposition of having a new world and an old world wine and seeing, you know, if we find those kinds of things once we're kind of going through yeah. this process. So would you like to learn a little bit about the wines we're trying tonight? Absolutely. Wonderful. Cabernet Sauvignon is a full-bodied wine and full-bodied wines are higher in alcohol they have more complex flavors um, they tend to be heavier and richer to taste it's made from a purple thick skinned grape that comes from a black fruit flavor family so as i mentioned it's a deep color it's also a very good accompaniment to dishes like grilled meat and things like that so like we were saying it's a brilliant one for for with with meals for cooking mm. with and you know enjoying while you're having a nice meal like that the options we're having tonight are single varietals. And basically what that means is these wines are made only from, or they're at least predominantly from the grape. So they're predominantly made from Cabernet Sauvignon grape, but it's a good blending grape. It's um, a grape that can go very well with sort of thinner density grapes like Merlot or Malbec. So you can get some really nice blended wines that have Cabernet Sauvignon in them next episode we're actually going to focus on blended wines is is the grape called cabernet sauvignon uh, cabernet sauvignon yeah okay um it is and so yes. i'm trying to remember now it is actually related to sauvignon blanc and another type of grape they've somehow worked it out that it is like mm. the cousin of those ones but yeah it is that is actually the grape name um a really interesting thing, actually, I, when I was looking up about Cabernet Sauvignon, in terms of vine distribution throughout the world, yes. France and Chile are leading on that front. So they are the two countries. They're really where this is being produced in abundance, basically. They're, they're the Cabernet Sauvignon kings. Yes, they absolutely are. But Cabernet Sauvignon is indigenous 
to Bordeaux. So that's where it came from originally, basically. Mm. So for you, this should be a great one. Um, so if anybody doesn't know, Bordeaux is in the southwest of France. However, our first wine tonight is actually from the northern Rhone area between Lyon and Montpellier, some 600 kilometers or so to the east of Bordeaux. The Rhone area is actually France's second largest appellation outside of Bordeaux. So an appellation is a defined geographical area where wine is grown. So we'll definitely be learning about all of these different appellations as we go through, because France has quite a number of them. And there's some really established ones that we'll all have heard of, even if we're not big wine drinkers. Of course, Bordeaux is like very famous. The Bordeaux region is known for Cab Sauve and for Merlot, first and foremost. Um, but then the Rhone area, where we're actually getting this wine from, is more actually known for Syrah and Grenache. So you might have heard of Syrah and Grenache being referred to, but under different terminology. Um, Syrah can sometimes be referred to as Shiraz. That's actually what they call it in, say, the Southern Hemisphere. So Australia and places like that, you'd know Shiraz from there. And then Grenache might also be referred to as Garnatza. It's basically what Grenache is called in Spain. The Rhone is, I would say, arguably most kind of known for uh, Chateau Neuf de Pape. Again, that's like... If you even if you don't know about wine, you've possibly heard about that wine. It's like a real it, established one, I guess. Isn't that the perfume in the Grand Hotel Budapest? <laughs> it could be actually. <laughs> it's very it similar. <laughs> it's so much better now thinking that he's spritzing himself with wine. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, the Rhone area that we're kind of looking at with this this first wine, it's not obviously they produce other things in that area. It's not just producing you know, Syrah and Grenache um, wines because we were getting a Cab Sav from there. But what I found out is it is a little bit unusual to get one from that region. I'm really looking forward to trying this one, basically. So the first wine is Ardèche Classique, and it's produced by Vigneron Ardèchoise or the wine growers of Ardèchoise, um, which is basically a group of 14 wineries in the southern Ardèche area of the Rhône. And they produce um, quite a few kind of single varietals across their range. So I found it really interesting that they are producing Cab Sav here because, as I said, it's I could almost find no other examples of Cab Sav from that area when I was researching it. Now, that can be tricky because French wine labels often don't include the wine varietal on the label. Maybe you saw this because I know you were in France recently, but like their labels can be quite hard for us to decipher if we're used mm. to being able to see very clearly what kind of a wine we're having. But anyway, in the words of Vigneron Ardechois, their Cabernet Sauvignon is a typical wine. It's intense and fruity with melted and elegant tannins. So both of the wines from tonight are 2020 vintage. And that basically means that the grapes were harvested that year. So we'll definitely talk about variety, you know, varying vintages, um, because I know that can also have a massive impact, even if you have the same kind of wine, you know, this from the same place, if it's from a different year, it can have a massive impact on the wine that you're having. So I definitely want to look into that and learn more about that as we go through. So moving on to the second wine tonight, um, which is Finca Amadeo. Um, it's an Argentinian wine. It's produced by the Maranon family. 
And I was looking up the vineyards online and it looks absolutely amazing. <laughs> I definitely want to go to Argentina after seeing how beautiful the area looked. They produce wine around Mendoza, which is basically the heart of the Argentinian wine country. Argentina is renowned for Malbecs. It's relatively new to exporting wines outside of South America. But um, since they have started doing that, it's been a, quite a noticeable presence on the wine scene. So in more recent years, Argentina has turned its hand to trying out other established grapes. Chardonnay and Cab Sav have been you know, coming from there more so. And I'm just really excited to try an Argentinian wine. I can't really recall if I've had one from there before, but definitely really looking forward to trying this one. I guess we'll get cracking on our wine tasting. So the first step, let's pick up our glass, everybody. We've got to look at the wine. So the color indicates... We're going French first. Yes. Yeah. So let's go with that one. The color indicates a lot about the wine. It also indicates, you know, it indicates the grape variety. It indicates the age and where it originated. I do not see that from this glass in front of me. Not yet anyway. But we will talk about wine color variations for sure. That's a whole other area that there's a huge amount of information you can get on on the wines. The next step then is after you've looked at it, you've kind of sussed out the color. You've got to swirl the wine in the glass. This makes the aroma grow more intense. Um, it opens up the aroma. So I've seen people, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen people and they've put it on the counter where they're doing their wine tasting and they've swirled it around on the counter. Now, I don't know why. All I can think is it's to do with balance. Like I'm doing it now and it actually is, it is helping. You know, I do feel like the glass is a lot more balanced when I'm doing it. I think for some of them, they really swirl it up the top. Mm. Like, I think if you're on the if you're on the table, you get a lot more. You can go fairly taller, we'll say. Yeah, with your swirl. actually, now I'm doing it. It's it does yeah. feel a lot more balanced. I mean, I'm doing it with my left yeah. hand. And I'm not a, a left hand person. It does feel like it's actually a much nicer technique. I'm definitely going to start doing that. That's so cool. So we're happy with that one. The next step now is smelling the wine. Basically, we've got to get your nose right in there. You've got to give it a really good sniff, give it a few sniffs. Um, and at that stage, you're thinking like, what does it remind you of? I would say like recently I was trying this out. From doing it, I found that I did pick up on oak barrels. Um, it was definitely the first time where I've understood, oh yeah, okay, these, this wine has, it's been in an oak barrel. I could actually get that from it. But obviously, there's a whole world of things that you can get from smelling the wine. But yeah, let's get in there. What do you think? Well, I, I'll give the stereotypical answer is of, <laughs> of it smells like alcohol. By it Christ. does. It does. It's very, it's very kind of, yeah, like quite rich. It's, quite, yeah, like, it's very like, powerful. Like. It is. It is. I would say quite a like, for me, like quite a typical Cabernet Sauvignon smell, you know, of a wine from that. Yeah, not really nice. So... Let's get on to the exciting part. Let's take a large sip, hold the wine for three to five seconds in our mouths and, you know, just kind of let it coat all around the mouth. Then you swish it around and then we drink it. <laughs> so now I would just say before you do that, um, 
don't take like what I did when I was sort of practicing for this. I took a sip that was about five times the amount that I would normally take. I, I was there call like, them a gulp. <laughs> it was awful. It tasted horrendous. <laughs> so don't do that. But it's anyway, a take a, I would, they say take a large sip. I would say take a smallish sip and sit it in the mouth for a couple of seconds, swirl it around, drink it. So let's go. Interesting. That was not what I expected. <laughs> At this stage in a wine tasting, you should savor and reflect on what you found from the tasting. So by doing this, I have definitely started to distinguish between dry and sweet wines by just taking oh, that yeah. moment to kind yeah, of reflect yeah. on it, you know? Yeah. I, I know there's so much more you can be getting from these wines, but that's that's me with my fairly uneducated. You, uh, so do you still, like you have your sommeliers, um, but you have mm. your, I can't remember what to call like world masters or, or professionals or something. There's one yeah. step up. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know that they have a, a an odor kit that you can mm. purchase? So there's like, do you know how like uh, people get the, the smell of leather and grass and all these other mm-hmm. kind of... Um, more nuances you can actually buy a kit yeah and you can kind of train yourself on these on these smells because again it's not yeah. every day like even like leather seems to be quite a common um taste and smell yeah but sure how much leather do you have in your house <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yeah, Shoes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i know i know it you when have I'm to go just... down to the field and smell it before it's <laughs> like, done like yeah. <laughs> That's actually oh, very cool. I'd like to learn a bit more yeah. about that. Wow. Um, well, what did you think on that wine there now anyway? What was your first impressions on it? It doesn't have like, to be anything. Oh, yeah. But like this is quite a it's it's, it's quite powerful. I find mm. of like mm. uh, when you said dry. Yeah. Like the tannins are just the not the bitterness will say of it. But when you mm. said it was dry, it's like, yeah, that's absolutely it. It's not sweet. It's not. No. Silky. Yeah. There's a lot more of a, a jab I I would find to it. Now I know yeah. we're not using our old professional terms, but no, this is, no, you don't need to. This is quite the quite the jab. Yeah, it's it. That was when I tried that. I went, oh, that's dry. That's mm. making my tongue feel very dry, mm. and I was not expecting that. I thought it was going to be a lot more like they're describing it as fruity, and um, they are saying it's intense. I definitely agree with them on that, but I would have expected it to be a lot more sort of juicy and kind of. Just not so dry on the tongue. Um, I'm going to just sip away another little bit without doing mm. the whole spiel. I'm just going to have a few sips to enjoy like, and see how I get on. One thing uh, I would say about this wine just off the top is like, you know, you're saying you put the nose in like you can mm. you can smell it straight from under your chin. Like if you yeah. if you keep it under the chin, you can you get mm. that strong we'll say red wine flavor, which is a. Mm. Uh, a terrible generalization no i get what you're saying it's um i would say the smell of it it was quite like i think i said that to you it's quite typical it's kind of reassuring it's like i'm getting a cabernet sauvignon and it's a very typical one like mm. scent wise i was like oh this is going to be lovely and reassuring and then when we've done the tasting i've gone oh this is a bit dry on the tongue and it's a little bit uneasy actually like, when i'm having I'll it i'll be honest like this this is like this is irish wedding wine like not that it's a bad thing but as in like this reminds me of like the strong tasting reds that are always at the table for it yes this is definitely the you you need your red meat Mm -hmm. accompaniment to this glass so in really interesting use of that 
I don't know if you see that on the back of uh, the bottle, but no. we've got it's best served at 16 degrees Celsius with roast meat, wild game or cheese. So there you go. Roast meat. Yeah. Bang on. Yeah. I could see this being quite nice with a bit of cheddar cheese or something yeah. like that, actually, as well. Do you know what I would love? I would love a duck with this. Ooh, a would roast you? duck. Yeah. Mm. Um, one of the, well, we could talk about it later, actually, but roast duck is is fab, um, mm. especially with something this. I'm not a fan. <laughs> oh, oh, I, had, I actually been... had duck in France and I was like, no, didn't well, do it okay. for me. no 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 that's not true i like duck when i get it from like a takeaway and it's in (laughs) it's in the little tin pancakes yeah 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 yeah. the hoisin sauce yes oh that's gorgeous that is really nice no proper roast duck is is fantastic now i've never it's that's one of the dishes I'd love to tackle at home. I just mm. never duck is just such a yeah uh, an awkward ingredient. Yeah. Um. But roast duck is is fabulous. Mm. Um. And this would be good with duck. Yeah, I could actually see yeah. that though. Like even those little pancakes that I'm talking about. It is. It keeps hit when I'm having it though. It's mm. it's. I can see it actually on the sides of the glass now where we're talking. I can see the kind of legs of the wine. But um, oh, color yes. is really nice. It's not like super super dark it's i i wouldn't have said it was a crazy crazy dark red you know um i suppose fairly typical for that kind of wine but it's dry at the back of my mouth i keep getting that when i'm having it which as i said is quite Mm. a strange sensation it's i don't know i Uh, I wasn't expecting that uh i i can't remember i think they were saying blackberries uh Mm. it is very uh, like a cranberry without the sugar okay yeah 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 it is kind of easily drinkable, but at the same time, that that dry feeling is it's strange for me. I think maybe, yeah, if I was having it with a meal or something, I wouldn't notice it as much. But because I'm having it on its own, it's a bit of a, a strange but, one. Yeah. How are you going to cl- cleanse your palate as well? Like this is. This yeah. Is, like, yes. At the very least, you should get some cream crackers to lick <laughs> or something. <laughs> You know, I was thinking actually something when you're having wine and doing yeah. a bit of a tasting like we're doing. It's lovely to have like a salty food, like a cracker or a, a, I, like a pistachio I've done a or full, something. I've done a full it's charcuterie <gasps> board here of stuff. Oh, please tell us about that. I love a so, charcuterie board. <laughs> I have. I have. Hotter notions, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have 70% dark chocolate, which I'm about to have to, nice. to go with this. Because yes. dark chocolate, I find... Yeah, please, really please talk with your mouthful. That's just lovely. <laughs> I'm sure that will come across well in audio. It will be fabulous. I am so happy. You're, this ASMR is exactly what people signed up for. <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, Me sounding like I've gotten balls in my mouth. While I've you're dark- having your little bit of chocolate, I'm just going to come in with one thing I wanted to say about the wine tasting, actually, before we move on to the other one as well. I do want to hear all about your board. But I read a really nice article about wine tasting. Um, and it's called All About the Five S's of Wine Tasting by Embry Roberts. It'll be in the show notes, as I said. Anyway, in this article, the sniff and the sip are the most important stages, as well as the most practical for the everyday drinker who's looking to get more serious about tasting wine. So those two steps are really the ones that they're saying to focus on. So they have said you have to practice identifying and isolating flavors and then building up the confidence to make an assertion about what you're smelling and tasting um, and they advise, and I thought this was a really good thing. Above all, I'll remember to enjoy the process. Try not to get too heavy and strict with it. You don't want to put too much pressure on yourself to analyze a wine perfectly to the point where you take the fun out of the experience. After all, most of us look to drink 
to help us relax and enjoy ourselves both at the table and after we leave, which is true. We don't need to be having a very in-depth, crazy, nuanced conversation around this. It's nice to learn more about it for sure. And I do want to be able to describe these wines with more, you know, words and like more apt words for describing it. But yeah, I think the big thing for me now at the moment is I want like that. I want to focus on the smell of the wine and the taste of the wine. And then everything else can kind of slot in afterwards. The one thing I'd say about that taste one actually yeah. um, that I don't think people appreciate with wine and I'm I'm kind of starting to myself mm. is well my my appreciation is coming from a culinary context, I will mm-hmm. say. I find that if for the more ingredients that I'm using, yeah. Um the more you can identify in your own cooking. Uh-huh. So so like I've definitely got something that's like, oh, they threw basil into this. I can definitely taste it. Interesting. Um, the other thing is like, you know, for example, bay leaves. Like yeah. nobody, nobody, like when you first read uh, yeah. recipes, you're like, why do I need bay leaves? They don't taste of anything. They don't smell of anything. It's so important when you use them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they're about the aftertaste. Yeah. They'll, yeah. Yeah. They'll coat your aftertaste. I totally and get I, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I've had like bolognese's without oh, bay leaves, yeah. and I'm like, oh, that's I can I can tell yeah. it. Like, you if you do yeah. compare and contrast, you can actually pick up on it. And... Totally, I because I'm quite a fan of using bay leaves and a lot of stuff now. Mm. And my big thing with mincemeat, actually, my secret mm. ingredient is Worcestershire sauce. Oh yeah, like, every yeah, 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 yeah. The bomb.com with yeah. mincemeat doesn't matter if you're having a shepherd's pie or whatever it is. The, you know, spring Any... ball. Oh, yeah. it's delicious. Um, if I don't have Worcestershire sauce, I'll Worcestershire. If I don't have the W sauce, I'll use soy sauce. It's actually super good, and I've bought Bavril actually for 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 making gravies and stuff like that. Well, this is all very nice accompaniments to what we're having right now. In fairness, I do think if we'd if we'd had a really nice spag ball now in front of us and had this wine, we would be very happy. Absolutely. Fairness, I do think it'd be a really nice accompaniment for that. But for me as a standalone, as I said, I'm not really sure on this one. So I do think I want to move on and have the second, the Argentinian. I want to see let's let's see how we get on with this guy. What I'll do before that I'll I'll go through what I have in front of for in front oh, of. Oh yes, me. no, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I did, I did, I just want to distract from you whilst you literally had your yeah. gob full with deep <laughs> yeah. percent chocolate. But I do want to hear all about it, please. So, <laughs> so I've bought two types of chocolate. I've a I've a seventy percent dark chocolate. Mm. I have a um, vanilla white chocolate. Aldi's finest. Aldi's finest. <laughs> I bought wheat crackers in yeah. case I just really need some. In case, in case the need arose. <laughs> in case the need arose. And then yeah. I brought in some fruit. So I have some strawberries and I wow. have a, a nectarine. Mm-hmm. That sounds gorgeous. It actually, like, I love an old snack plate. I, have to, I love a charcuterie board. And I recently made a grazing box. So I did it for. Oh, munch um, box sure i don't know <laughs> it could be but it was basically like a, a box and you fill it up with all your your charcuterie bits and so on you fill it in a way that it looks beautiful so it presents really well you know you can like there's certain companies around that are doing um, this it's like a big like a, 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 bento, uh, a bento box <sighs> it's the, Jap- it, the japanese have um bento boxes which mm. is oh i know i know them yeah they're lovely mm. 
yeah they're mm. gorgeous but no this is like really like packed in um they, maybe mm. they do that with those as well but um when i've had bento box it's been like you know it's more like portioned out whereas this is like everything's packed into not a small it depends what one you get or do but i made yeah. one anyway i literally yeah. shamelessly took a photo off of google image and copied <laughs> copied this gracing box that i found so it would have been all your salamis and um, your oh, chocolate your cheese yes. your pretzels yeah, yeah, your yeah. nuts your fruit your different grapes yeah. whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. wine yeah. had the wine put in it was lovely oh it was really nice i have to say and if you're having a little evening like with sit with friends or whatever i think that's such a nice little thing to put i really enjoy putting it together i have to say i loved it pretzels are fierce underrated in this country but they're lovely aren't they yeah. like yeah, that yeah. with like what we're having that's yeah, actually yeah. making me want a pretzel now <laughs> but anyway yours sounds really good and i'm kind of jealous of you but i'm still also stuffed for my dinner so not <laughs> not jealous enough to go and eat something right now but we'll go on to our second one. So as we said, this is an Argentinian wine and this is the Finca Amadeo. So we'll, we, we'll, we'll go through, we'll do our little steps again, seeing as it's our first time doing a show and it's our first time trying to learn about how to do this wine tasting correctly. Let's, let's go through the steps you again. Now. Yeah, go on. I haven't told you about my second laugh. What? So I don't have a second wine glass. <laughs> it's a jam jar. It's a jam jar. Oh my gosh. I love I it. I assume that'll enhance the flavor profile. I think that should absolutely enhance I can still the swirl profile. it, so that's the important thing. You know, um, the, the big thing with, I think, the professionals and so on, when they are doing the wine tastings, it needs to be like, you know, a very well-lit room. Um, you'd have like a white wall so that you can really see the color of the wine and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that I read that a jam jar is also very recommended when they're doing Are you serious? <laughs> I was just like, you... I'm hillbilly here. Hang on a minute now. Hang on. Hang on a minute, Stephen. <laughs> How much wine did you drink? Because no, I am not serious. <laughs> but like, I was actually looking at it. And I'm like, well, the, the lid, is, like the nose, I can get my nose into it anyway. So. I, it's a glass. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna do anything about it. You're all right. No, it's full good. college. <laughs> you have a nice white backdrop there, so you could always just, you know, hold the hold the hold the jam jar up. <laughs> I was I was actually using my monitor because I have a I have a white mm. document open and I was nice. using the monitor as kind wow. of like a, an overlay. What well, how does this one look actually though? I haven't so let, let me this let me have a look at this. This looks very ruby to me. Like this, this, this in comparison to our old world French wine, similar color, I would say, when I'm holding See, it in the light. Yeah, I think the Argentinian is the slightly darker. darker. Yes, yeah. yes, slightly, slightly darker. I'm, I'm looking at the the kind of the rim edges mm. of it. And no, it no, looks... no, you're right. Yeah, it is. It's slightly darker. Yeah. So, so we've looked at the wine. We're now going to go on. We're going to swirl this this glass. I'm going to do my new trick of putting it on the counter, giving it a nice swirl around. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a bit more of a like a burgundy color. Mm. Okay, so we've opened say... that up. I, I was going to say sanguine this is mm -hmm. this is more mm -hmm. um this is like the fake blood that they have <laughs> in hollywood bags. yes i'm picking like, up fake blood i'm picking up <laughs> yes i feel like wesley slaps <laughs> <laughs> yes um, one should always feel like that at a wine tasting okay so we swirled it around now we're going to smell this guy um so we're gonna get right up in there oh that's nice and that is very different 
Is it nice because it's the second wine? We've already had wine. So <laughs> I I would say like mm. just from no wow. also because this <laughs> maybe it's because it's a gem jar, so it's not capturing it. Yeah. I think if you if you just hold this under like at your chin level, yeah. I don't get any strong smell compared to the other yeah. one. Is that from the wine? <laughs> um so we've smelt it. The next job is to take a sip. We hold it in our mouth three to five seconds, then swish it around to intensify the aroma before we drink it. So let's go for it, everybody. What do you make of that? That's a lot more subtler, I would have said. Mm. Oh, I don't know. I have to say I disagree with you on that. <laughs> I find that very strong. Very See, kind this of. This is why I feel like I've disadvantaged myself with the. I, I feel like the jam jar is not holding true because <laughs> I was I was kind of worried because with the wine glass, the way it's yeah, it shaped is to try and hold in yeah, we'll say a lot mm. more of the fragrance. But mm-hmm. when I like when I say subtler, like that felt like so our our French wine, oh. uh, very much had. Uh, like in your face whereas i think this mm. is kind of a lot more oh this would knock your socks off for me this is quite like this if you were having this with a meat dish i could see that being a really nice accompaniment accompaniment but mm. it would need to be a very powerful one with a lot of flavor because yes. it is going to overpower the meat otherwise you know it's not it's it's not going to be a good accompaniment otherwise yeah very interesting I would say the other one was, yeah, probably both of these for me are very Mm. much wines for with a dinner. Very much, you know, like I think they need something kind of with them to be more drinkable in a way. This one, though, I'm finding very interesting. I'm trying to put my finger on what it is. This is more this is Mm. more complex for me. There's a lot more happening Mm. in this one than there was in the first one. I do want to ask you. Do you have a wine-based fact that you can share with us tonight, Stephen? Oh, I do, actually. Lovely. Surprised myself. I just pulled this out of my back pocket. (laughs) Have you heard of the oldest wine, the oldest unopened wine in existence? No. So the oldest unopened wine is called the Spieler, S-P-E-Y-E-R, wine bottle. Okay. It was found in 1867. In Mm. the tomb of a Roman soldier, and it is believed to be dated between 325 AD and 350 AD. Wow. So it is believed to be local to the region, that it was a a German soldier stationed uh, in that part of Germany. It it has a certain amount of local herbs and minerals, Mm -hmm. which is how the Romans flavoured their wine. So Roman wines were actually higher proof. Mm. So they had about a 15 to 20 percent uh, alcohol percentage, which they cut with water. Yeah. Um, but which they flavored with herbs mm. um, and they kept fresh using um, olive oil. Yeah. So you can see in the bottle it's in. Um, I've forgotten the, the name of the museum now, but it is in a German museum wow. and on display. And you yeah. can see the sediment at the bottom and you can see the oil at the top. Wow. That's incredible. I would say that would taste absolutely disgusting. <laughs> well, they, it would, but if it was recreated, it's one of the reasons 
like some historians debate like the the collapse mm. of Rome and what led to the collapse of Rome. Uh, one of the contributing factors yeah. is the Rome's love of wine. Um, yeah. So they they again Romans knew how harmful lead was. Yeah. But it gave the wine such a sweet taste, and they oh had gosh. such a love of the sweetness of it that they yeah. just kept it in. Too much lead uh, mm-hmm. leads to infertility problems. So wow. it, it was one of those factors of wow. on top of everything. Yeah. But that's how the Romans in, enjoyed their wine, and mm-hmm. that is the oldest. That's amazing. That's such an interesting fact. Thank you for sharing. I actually love that. I believe that it was the Romans that kind of introduced um, the vineyards and things like that, that it was they were like a big part of basically wine growing starting. I could be completely wrong on that. Do you know anything about that? I think what the Romans ended up doing was the, like Romans were very close to what we would consider industrializing. Like they had a lot of organization the romans took their their wines from the greeks yeah and the greeks took it from the the levant and they took from north africa so like again like wine itself has been with us for so long historically like you know example like again it it is in the bible it's one of the miracles okay so so basically the romans were the ones that made it like it was more accessible it was more like you know it was more yeah they're the ones who like again empire brings things to the far wrong so like you would say like some of the vineyards that were planted in france when the romans invaded gaul like that you could say that's where kind of the the early burgundian wines would have came from that was my that's yeah. what i had read was that they were a big part of the french wine production that they yeah. started a lot of that off because because the celts um while they would have known about wine they probably would have made wine mm. mead was more important in in celtic cultures yeah. and then the romans came in and made shit. The, the romans <laughs> came in then and and um made themselves at home but they also brought yeah. the, the, yeah, their yeah. love of wine and like the other thing as well is wine like most alcohols like the reason alcohol was so prevalent across all cultures is because mm. it makes water safe mm. so like if mm-hmm. you get bad water you put some wine into it it's not as as bad for you so yeah um yeah yeah so their love of wine obviously would have been spread with their roads Yes, absolutely. That's so cool. I love that. I love hearing about the history of it. And I have a couple of other questions for you. So the first one of those is, can you share a memorable occasion where wine featured? (laughs) I chundered ever. Um, (laughs) This one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the kind of one of the nicest glasses of wine or kind of the nicest vintages of wine I had. Um, Had no label. Um, mm-hmm. This is when I was in France and yeah. we were visiting my brother and he was in France and he was staying with his in-laws yeah. and they grow their own grapes. They don't have a vineyard, but they mm. grow their own grapes. So oh, it was wow. Own... I wonder how much that's done. You know, I wonder how much people have their own little sort of production. Yeah. I, I'm told that like each family in certain regions, so this would have been the Brittany region. Yeah. Um. So a lot of families do, if they have the space, will grow the grapes. Oh, fab. Mm. um so but it is it's intensive it's one of those things of like it's it's yeah. kind of like a leisurely activity in mm. one sense because mm-hmm. you do have to watch the grape yeah. make sure they're they're kept safe and there's then quite a bit of maintenance right in it yeah 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 exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's kind of like it, it's not every family does it but there is mm. the odd family i again i suppose it's like here our equivalent is not mm. everybody did pochine back in the or, or fermented it but there was the <laughs> the family that you went to for it yeah that's a actually um, very true yeah absolutely yeah yeah so so it was again it was just a kind of a plain bottle 
and they ca- they decanted it. Mm. And this was actually where we had the the roast duck. This was kind of like the mm. Sunday dinner. Yeah. And so they brought out roast duck. Duck was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in France, now I, I could be butchering this, but like the, the one thing that would, would say the roast, the first cut needs to go to the madame of the house. Uh-huh. And then the next cut goes to the guests. <laughs> so that was fine. But I was asked to pour. They had this beautiful decanter. Oh, golly. And it was like, it was, it was like, Joe, what? This does not bode well. <laughs> so, so it's this beautiful. She's my like, jam jar man over here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> decanter? So, let me what? describe in audio these hands. <laughs> these aren't a surgeon's hands. Like, they would be better off, Joe, digging for potatoes. Like, that's, that's what they were built for. They're, yes. Yeah. Um, so I've often taught it. <laughs> yeah. So, I was sweating oh golly <laughs> i had to pick up this Gosh. delicate this delicate like the the, the meal was mm. kind of tense because my nephew had already thrown a pillow and broke a wine glass Ooh. so we're in this tense dinner situation and i have to pick up this <laughs> i have to pick up this swan neck of a decanter and my like golly. i'm holding it so delicately and i was like i feel like if I breathe, it'll just the neck of it would snap. Like yes. it was that it was that delicate. No, it didn't. I did. I was able to successfully get everybody a glass of wine yeah. <laughs> and just put it down and just sit down. Oh and my I was, golly. I just whispered to mom, I was like, God, that was worse than a day at work. <laughs> while while yeah. you're telling the stories, I don't know if you've had any more sips. How are you finding the wines as we go along? Are they sitting differently with you or I've not I've not I've not twisted well I've not gone back to our French wine, we'll say. Yeah. So I'm saying on the Argentinian. The Argentinian this is the difference between the, the two of them. Like this Argentinian one is here for the evening, we'll say, whereas that is absolutely okay. a dinner wine, is in, in my estimations. Yeah, I th- I do think they both are. I think the Argentinian one is going long. It, there's kind of like a, a stronger kind of like a perfumed taste, if you will. I don't know exactly. Like I don't have the words yet. We will learn as we go through. Mm, but I don't yes. quite have the words for what it is. It's quite strong, and I like it. But it's also not that easy to drink. Like both of them are complicated and this one is quite complex there's things about them where i'm like they're not easy easy drinking for me like i i need to have them with a meal and they have to be had under certain circumstances for me to really like them i think Mm, so that's interesting that's really interesting my next question my final question for you is set the scene if you could drink your favorite glass of wine anywhere in the world where would that be with whom and why and it can be anybody. It could be somebody yeah, living yeah, or yeah, yeah. it could be this I, wonderful celebrity, yeah. whatever. So I, because I was thinking about like, just as a general, like, you know, how, how is wine mm. enjoyed? Did you ever see the scene from Parks and Recs? I love where, Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see the scene about uh, Ron Swanson's birthday gift from, from Leslie, where yes. it was uh room guarded that nobody else could go into it was yes. a film on the telly yes. or sorry it was the the bridge over the river coy i think yeah. it was and yeah. it was his favorite it was favorite dinner and his favorite yeah. whiskey yes 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 that's what i had in mind of like oh yeah that would be excellent like uh-huh. the, there was not not that specifically what what that led me to into was yeah. this like 
uh-huh. Sound of Music style Switzerland log cabin. Okay. So it, like Alps in the summer, not the winter, because it's oh. it's it's way too cold up there. Um, oh. but like, do you remember like the Sound of Music where they're singing? It's like, all right, put a log cabin there. Yeah. Put a good red, and then just give me a, a kitchen. I can make my dinner. You can see the Alps. Yeah. And then you can drink away whatever. Like, again, mm. I think the wine itself, whatever ends up being my favorite glass at that point, yeah. it kind of depends on, on what you're having. But yeah. I would I would style it with that. What I was actually thinking of when I think yeah. of red wine and stuff like that is around, do you know that timber smell? Do you know that fresh mm-hmm. smell, would say? Mm-hmm. So if you've the, the smell of nature, the smell of timber, mm. and then your red wine, because more mm. often than not, I, I lean towards red as well. Yeah. And then just whatever, Fabulous. whatever good meal is there. Yeah, that sounds gorgeous. Yeah, I really like that idea. And I totally agree with you. It's an accompaniment to the food. And if you have a natural setting, I do love when I've had wine outside. Like some of my most, just off the top of my head, some of my most noticeable times have been when I've been sitting outside having a gorgeous meal in in a foreign country mostly but sometimes in ireland in fairness i've, I've had it mm. i i like to you know do my little um dinners for people and so on and it is lovely so yeah that sounds really nice and do you have somebody you would like to even if they were there for part of it like somebody you'd like to ask a question mm. or you'd like to have the evening with or whatever yeah the the only when I was thinking of there, I think the best conversationist in that scenario would be some form of writer. So I was mm. thinking like Ernest Hemingway mm. would be yes. um, somebody who, now again, oh, he, yes. was a, he was a violent drunk, so he might be a great drinking partner. But yeah. like James Joyce would be another one who like, yeah. he's enigmatic. Um, Oscar Wilde obviously would be oh, God, yeah. such an amazing dinner guest. Like, but like and Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you said Hemingway because like one of my favorite movies is Midnight in Paris. Oh and yes, that's what that's what. Yeah, I was actually I was the Hemingway uh, the, in that yeah. film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that Hemingway. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, an, an interesting writer, a writer of renown who would enjoy a beverage as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's very cool. That's a very very cool scene you've set up there. Now I have to say, no, these have been really interesting wines. I have to say, they're they're mm. they're not what I expected. They're both very different for me. Anyway, I find they're they're really not. Not ones that I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm. That's it. That's my wine of choice from now on. It's not like that, but they're complex. They're interesting, and they are. Yeah, I'm glad we've had these. They've been really, really good ones to start with. I have to say. So I'm going to kind of wrap it up there. I think now I want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stephen for being a part of it. It's been brilliant. So the next episode is going to focus, as I mentioned, on two Grenache blend wines. So we're going to have an old world. French white wine, which will be Le Chia Catalan Blanc. And from the New World, we'll have an Australian red wine, which will be Schild Estate GMS. So as I mentioned, all of that will be in the show notes. So I will be catching you on those wines next time. Thank you so much, Stephen.